This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian's beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Sarah, I'm sure if you polled 10 people who listen to this podcast, all 10 would know exactly where we're going to be starting today because we've talked about Shohei Otani so much. We've wanted to talk about him as much as we could. That was one of the driving forces behind us having a podcast was to make sure we got to give as much Shohei Otani love as possible. And my God, is he making it easy right now. It's unbelievable. And I will explain where I was for the 30th because it's going to be like one of those monumental moments, momentous moments in your life. Is that tuned in redundant, momentous moments? Um, It's one of those, where were you when I was with, uh the Cleveland beat we were had just left the game we went and stopped to grab a drink uh actually karaoke I promise you I don't karaoke you know this someone else in the Cleveland beat karaoke's but very much not I um but we're sitting there and I get an alert on my phone uh that someone had tweeted it might have been Nightingale it might have been someone Shohei Otani hit number 30 I was like, wow, that's really cool, impressive. I read it just quickly because, you know, not trying to be rude, not trying to look down at my phone. I read it so quick. I read 439 feet, 30th homer. I'm like, it's pretty awesome. Solid hit, you know, Shohei doing Shohei things. Get back to my hotel like an hour later, sit down in bed, and I'm like looking through our MLB app, and I'm just looking at the headlines from the day. And it says monster black, like 493-foot home run from Shohei Otani. And I said, I'm sorry, what? Did I suddenly become dyslexic and I didn't realize it? (laughs) I read that as 439 and thought, yeah, he's pretty good. And then I was like, I'm sorry, 493 feet, Sarah? What on earth is he? I don't know how many times I have to ask this. Is he even human? I have no idea what we did to deserve Shohei Otani. This is absolutely wild. I mean, he hit that home run, and it looked like it went a really long way. And then I open up our research tool, and it does this thing where if a home run is over a certain distance and over a certain exit below, and highlights it in like green when it has the numbers. And I'm staring at it and I see double green metrics. I'm like, okay, Otani does that. And then when you see the nine as the second (laughs) digit, it is just on another planet. So that's the Angels' longest home run tracked by Sackass. It is the longest home run at Angel Stadium tracked by Sackass. Everyone's like, oh, it's his longest. Yes, that's true. But it is the longest by anyone on that team, which is so much more impressive. And again, he is still, as of right now, the leader among qualified pitchers in opponent batting average. I have said this so many times on so many platforms, including to you on this podcast. We are so far past Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth wishes he could be Shohei Otani. I mean, 
It was a different game. We weren't measuring these things. I know the 1920s were different. Shohei Otani is hitting almost 500 foot home runs and leading pitchers in at least one metric. And if you look at it right now, he's leading the majors in OPS. Slugging home runs, he's tied for the lead in uh, RBIs and leading an opponent batting average. I mean, who does that? Nobody does that, but Shohei Otani does that. I'm trying to think, like, how often has it been where you're on July 3rd, which we're recording right now, and the MVP is just locked up? Like, how could it be anyone else? And, like, okay, last year... Aaron Judge was on this same home run pace. So it makes sense that you would say that Judge was a lock last year, but he wasn't because Otani is going to constantly be a consideration. And he should be. As long as he can keep doing all of the things that he's doing as well as he does them, then he's going to be in this conversation. But right now, this is going to be the... I I promise you this is going to be the easiest MVP vote that anyone's ever going to get. And I'm responsible for handing them out for Cleveland this year. So now I'm starting to think, my God, I should just give that to myself so I don't save myself a headache. But not going to do that. Just not putting that out there. Regardless, this is the easiest vote, I think. And I feel stupid for talking about the MVP in the first week of July. But who, who who can take down whatever this is that he's able to do? MVP doesn't feel like enough. No. I feel like we need, like, greatest living athlete. We need, like, <laughs> beyond baseball. We need so many other so many other athletes to describe this. I mean, you're talking about the 493-foot home run. He also hit one 454 feet yesterday. 115.4 off the bat. But, I mean, I just can't get over it. Like... When he signed with the Angels, we started researching all of the things Babers did when he hit and pitched. Otani in June hit 15 home runs. That is the most home runs in the calendar month since 1900 by anyone to also strike out 30 batters. All of the top few on the list are Shohei Otani. He did this with eight home runs last August. He did it with eight home runs this May. Did it with 13 home runs last June. Like, he isn't even at the point where he is slipping by anyone else who came close to these things. If you go to most home runs in a calendar month, making multiple pitching starts, it's all him. And this one I love. So most pitching strikeouts in the season for anyone to hit 30 home runs. Last year, Otani had 219 strikeouts and 34 home runs. Last, uh, two years ago, he had 156 strikeouts and 46 home runs. This year, he has 127 already with the 31 home runs. And then here are the other guys to have at least multiple pitching strikeouts and 30 homers. Babe Ruth in 1930, when he had three strikeouts and 49 home runs. Babe Ruth in 1921, when he had three strikeouts and 59 home runs. And then my absolute favorite member of the list, 2012 Chris Davis of the Orioles, who had two strikeouts pitching as a position player and also hit 33 home runs. I mean, I am so grateful to Otani for helping me discover and appreciate all of these random things. I mean, there's a old-time pitcher named Wes Farrell who had a handful of home runs in season and had some strikeouts again, nothing like this, but he would do that and he often comes up on certain lists and there are other guys whose names I've been 
further acquainted with because of the fact that Otani exists. But this is just on another level. And as you said, I mean, I always feel like it's famous last words when we're sitting here on July 3rd and talking about an MVP. But I truly don't know what could happen where he wouldn't get it. I mean, I guess if, God forbid, he were to get injured, maybe that would be it. But in terms of body of work, it's just so undeniable. Could you imagine if he ends up going on a a tear? I mean, he's on Judge's pace right now. Could you imagine if we could have that in back-to-back seasons of just watching glued to the TV every game to find out if Otani hit a home run? Is Otani going to set a record? Is he going to do this? I mean, I remember when we talked about this on the podcast last year when it might have been my favorite moment where I was talking to my husband's uh, godfather and he had a has a restaurant in the middle of Pennsylvania and it was a football night it was Monday night football and they were all asking in the bar for the TVs to be switched away from football to put on the Yankees game to see if Judge was going to hit a home run these are the things that get eyeballs on baseball these are the things that really remind everyone why baseball is so exciting um, and so poof, sign me up if we get to have that in back to back years and then this time it's by a pitcher? <laughs> can we please have that? Like, what? Can you even wrap your brain around the fact that that could be something that we're experiencing going down the stretch in September all over again? I mean, I just feel bad for other sports because there's no equivalent and there never will be. You will never have a quarterback who is also a lockdown corner. You will never have a, I mean, NBA is different anyway, but like you will never have every now and then in hockey, there's a defenseman who's particularly adept at scoring goals, but there is no way to have someone who commands any sport on both sides of the ball, puck, whatever the object is in question. The way that he does. And this is just, I mean, I don't know. I'm out of words. It is incredible. He is on the all-star roster as both a pitcher and a hitter for the third straight year. When this first happened in 2021, he was, I believe, voted in as the starting DH and then added as well as a pitcher by his peers, I believe. That had never happened before. We never had someone on all-star roster as a pitcher and a hitter. Now he's done three years in a row. Like, it's the most common thing in the world. And someone tweeted this the other day. It may have been Mike Petrella, one of our quasi-co-hosts on this podcast feed. Someone said that we may look back at 2022 when judge hit 62 and won that mvp as the aberration in a string of otani mvps and certainly feels that way i mean as long as otani is in his prime and doing this it's going to be so hard to give the mvp to anyone else i mean to your point the only thing that judge had an amazing year But the thing that got him that MVP was breaking the AL record. So we're basically going to need anyone who dares try to win MVP to break some sort of record in order to not lose to Shohei Otani. I I hate to even go here because I know it's going to be the talk that we have to have every single day in a couple months. But... What this guy is able to do is impressive enough. Just to be able to balance all of these things, to be as good of a pitcher as he is and as good of a hitter as he is. That's hard enough. To do that every single year when the spotlight is on you and you know coming into every year that everyone wants to see you be this phenom, 
That's hard enough to do. Then you have both of those, and then you're going into a contract year where you're having this year where you, if you perform off the charts, if you don't perform at all, you're making an insane amount of money this off season. If you perform unbelievably where you go into it, I don't even understand. Well, I mean, last year we had no question slam dunk, the greatest contract year in MLB history from yep. Aaron Judge. Yep. And now Shohei Otani is like, okay, hold my Gatorade. I'm going to do even better. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. You know, I was looking. I can't even process it. I was looking at his uh, Fangraphs does a dollars to war calculation. So essentially goes off of the war that a player has accumulated and says how many millions of dollars he has been worth. And it's not perfect, but it's certainly a good initial estimation. You could use it to evaluate a contract. So right now, on July 3rd, Shohei Otani, by this metric, this year has been worth $33.4 million. So when everyone talks about him getting a deal where he would get $60 million per year, that sounds right because we're halfway through. He's already been worth $33 million. And by the way, this is coming off of his war, which is giving him credit both for his pitching and his hitting. But the hitting war, the offensive side of it is penalizing him slightly for being a DH. So if you think about it, his war would be even higher if he were an outfielder or a first baseman on those days he doesn't pitch. And it's what it is. It's always been that way with war, with DH. <laughs> but you could say that his offensive production is probably slightly undervalued by the calculation compared to if someone like Judge was doing it. Now, of course, Judge is contributing defense, but if anything, I'm saying that that 33.4 could be a low ball. It could be slightly under, but just for comparison, last year, by this metric, he was worth $30.7 million dollars. An amazing second place MVP finish year and was worth by this less than he has accumulated in half a season this year. And in 2021, when he won MVP, it was 40.3 million. And again, this is numerical, this isn't feel, this isn't subjective, this isn't objective, just calculation. But this is absolutely incredible, and everyone has been dropping that $60 million number. Feels like a starting point. Starting point. Like, I know. Isn't that unbelievable? Like, no, that doesn't deserves, make sense. He, it does for him. Oh, it's yeah. Not, no, it's it not does able, for him. It does, it's not something that we can comprehend. <laughs> But it makes sense, and that's what's so ridiculous about all of this. And I am, I never, I don't want to ever wish time away. I don't ever want to speed up a baseball season. I don't ever want to, because I know as soon as we get into the offseason, I start to get the itch the second we get there. But this offseason might actually be fun. Like, it might be actually enjoyable for once to not just have to sit around and wait for baseball to happen again. I just feel like there's going to be so much talk. Always. And what is he going to do? And who will he sign with? And what is this number going to be? I am blown away by Shohei Otani. I have no words left to say about him because his actions speak louder than any words that I can put to it. And as you always say, we are just so beyond lucky to be able to watch this and witness it and... I really, really hope that people who might not be on West Coast time or, or stay up for some of these games, even if they just need to take advantage whenever the Angels are on the East Coast, whatever you can do, try to realize what we're, 
what we're able to watch right now, tune into a game or two. Even if you're not an Angels fan, who cares? If you're not an Otani fan, I don't I don't know what's wrong with you. I, I really don't because yes. you have to be because this is just something we'll never see again. So I'm done on Otani. Is there anything else that you want to add before we move on to something else? I mean, that's too much of a Pandora's box. I would go on forever. <laughs> I'm good for now. We can resume talking about him tomorrow uh next week okay okay we can do that well i mean we'll resume talking about him in like a half hour when we're texting each other yeah. i'm sure or he'll yeah. do something again in a matter of minutes and then we'll have to text about that but publicly we'll wait until next week again um we'll take a quick break right now and then now that we know the all-star rosters we can talk about how i think we did a pretty good job at predicting who would go where and i think the fan bases really did a good job of Maybe not always sending the guy who has the biggest name. I'm sending these guys who have put up unbelievable seasons. So we'll break all of that down when we come back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, that's Sarah Langs, and we went through what we thought could turn out to be the all-star rosters. It's not like we had that hard of decisions. We had 50-50 shot on all of it. So no matter what, even if we split the answers, we were going to be right on one end of it. But I still think I really, really was happy with how the starters went through it. I was happy with how some of the reserves got named. I thought people were really well represented. Um, and it seemed like this is going to be a fun group. There's so many young guys, which I love. Um, and I think that the big stars are there too. So it's going to be a well-rounded group, I think. And I'm really looking forward to it. I know you'll be there, so you'll be able to give us all the first person perspective of being there but my gosh I think this is going to be great now the home run derby brackets filling out did you just see Adley's in it they just sent out the yes. notification lordy I'm so excited I know I'm so so excited for all of it one of my favorite things with these starters is the fact that we have two rookies who are slated to start the all-star game Corbin Carroll from the National League and um, Josh Young from the Rangers for the American League. This is only the second time that we have had two rookies starting an All-Star game in the same year. It also happened in 2008 with Kosuke Fukudome and Giovanni Soto, but they were both Cubs. They were voted in by the fans, so slightly different situation because they're on the same team on the All-Star game. So this is the first time the AL and the NL will each have a rookie, which is just incredible and tells you where the game is at right now. So I'm so excited for all of it, but it was really fun yesterday getting the rosters and kind of going through. So I wrote up a bunch of fun facts about the rosters, uh, who we have, so the Braves have eight All-Stars, which is the most they've ever had in a single season. And the Braves are not a franchise that is lacking for history and All-Star history. It's tied for the most by any National League team ever in the All-Star game. The 08 Cubs, who I just mentioned, the 1960 Pirates, 56 Reds, and 43 Cardinals. So in the expansion era, which begins in 1961, the only National League teams to have at least eight all tab eight all-stars in the season are this year's Braves and those 08 Cubs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, it, is, it is so much 
fun to have teams like this dominate where the groups of guys who are performing so well are all getting recognized. I think that's important. I also think it's fun whenever we're spreading the love, too. I think there's both sides of it. And I think this year sort of has a good balance of both where... Yes, you have these big clumps. You see the, the, we saw the Braves all over the place. We see the Rangers all over the place. Um, And then you just see these little rookies sprinkled through and you have uh, the Corbin Carrolls of the world and you have all this, I don't know. I think that this group is going to put on a really fun show. And I think Julio Rodriguez being the host of this is going to be one of the best case scenarios for baseball possible. I know the Mariners aren't the talk of the town as maybe a lot of us expected them to be coming into the year and we would have expected them to be at this all-star break. But I really, really think having one of the best personalities in the game be in the Home Run Derby, of course, be participating in all the events and be hosting everyone into his city is going to make this a really, really special event. Because you always have somebody. Like, you you think back, they had the Dodgers last year. You have quite a couple personalities on that team. You immediately think of Mookie Betts when you think of the Dodgers. You think of, I'm trying to think, go back to Cleveland, you would have someone like Jose Ramirez. And Shane Bieber became a thing there. That's where he really got put on the map because he won the All-Star Game MVP. And he wasn't even supposed to be on the team. He was a replacement late. And so... Guys really seem in their hometown elements to flourish, and it's fun. And then to think of what a personality that already finds a way to flourish and take the spotlight just so naturally, I'm excited to see how Julio Rodriguez handles that next week. I know. I mean, he's such a natural host, such a natural leader, and such a natural cheerleader, too. I mean, just... Having that excitement, sharing it with everyone, it's going to be so, so much fun. And I'd love, I know that people always point out that every team has to have an all-star and often that might keep off someone who seemed deserving. But to anyone who still feels that way, I would direct you to the Twitter of the Oakland A's. They posted some photos and video of Brent Rooker, who was their all-star, finding out in front of his teammates from Marcotte that he is an all-star. He starts crying. He doesn't know what to say. I just got chills saying it to you, and I've seen this already. I mean, it is so meaningful to these guys to be all-stars, and I think that overall the team's This was going to be my thing at the end, but I have something else, so I'm sort of getting into why baseball is the best this week now. But the teams absolutely crushed it in terms of giving us those moments. We are now basically expecting when a prospect gets called up that we'll get the video of him being told. And I think now, moving forward, we should be expecting that when guys become all-stars, we'll get those videos as well. I saw them from almost every team and, you know, another single team all-star who is very deserving as they all are. Mitch Keller, his video was amazing. They asked him to say something and he couldn't stop crying. They had to oh. bleep out a word. I mean... <laughs> He was so overwhelmed with emotion. And another one who is not a single team also, Yuli Guriel, they posted him, the Max, him uh, FaceTiming his wife, and how much that means to him after being traded in the offseason, having a really, really great year, proving himself, I mean, it means so much to these guys. They get handed that envelope. They get a moment in front of their team. And I also think it means a lot to them to represent their team in Seattle at the game. They all talk about that, that even though it's an individual accomplishment, they're so honored to represent the team. And they all talk about 
of the one being also not for their teammates, supporting them, playing with them, and making them better. So I know that people always get angry about snubs and their things, this and that. Those usually work themselves out with pitchers pitching on the Sunday and injury replacements and what have you. And what I focus on is I don't want anyone to ever say again that a certain ulcer is not deserving because even if his stats might pale slightly to someone else at his position, what this means to these guys means so much more than the stats that they bring. And I'm going to save my comments on that. I'm on what it is, what, how much it does mean for my moment whenever, I, whenever we get to our favorite moments from the week. Um, but the, so, the social stuff has been incredible, and you can feel it. It's palpable in all of those. Um, but, like, I think even still, like, All-Star Game is so much fun, and it's, it's an honor for players. It's a great game to watch. But I still can't help but think that the Derby is just the highlight of that whole experience. It's just, it's a different element. It's taking players out of their usual routine of competition, throwing them in a different type of competition, which somehow makes them even more competitive than what they are already, it seems like. There's trash talking. There's teammates supporting each other. You always have each guy like sitting on the sidelines watching their friend or even if it is a teammate, whatever it may be. That's the highlight. It's been the highlight since I was a little kid. I can remember watching it since I was young and I remember thinking the same thing. Like I watched the game, I watched the derby, but the excitement level for the derby was just always another level. And all the kids on the sidelines, I mean... This year, we get Vlad Jr. in the home run derby, and there's footage of him at multiple derbies with his dad, including standing with his dad on the field in San Francisco when his dad won it. I mean, that is just on another level to me. And in the starter show on ESPN on Thursday, Kevin Connors interviewed both Freddie Freeman and Marcus Semien, just to talk about them, talk to them about being uh, starters and everything. Both of them mentioned how excited they were for their kids to be at the Derby and being there and take it all in. For Freddie, he's been an all-star before, so Charlie is used to this almost, and he said he's so excited to be able to bring him again. And for Marcus Semien, he talked about how his kids are at the age well, where they will really appreciate it. So those moments mean so much to families, and I think that's really important as well. And I forget if I mentioned this when we talked about the combine, but again, I return to Prince Fielder and his two adorable sons when he won the Derby. Uh, two years back in the mid-2000s and those two kids being with him behind the scenes at the combine a couple weeks ago and I had this moment of saying wait last time I saw you you were running around at the home run derby and look where you are now I mean I just think that no other sport has an event like that. And as great as the All-Star Game is, to your point, there's nothing better than seeing these guys in their element as fathers, but also in their element as kids who just love the game. And I think that's what the Derby really brings out in everybody. And you always, like, the connection of who they choose as their pitcher, that's always something that's so special because it doesn't have to just be a pitching coach. It can be we've said a dad. It can be a relative. It can be a friend. It can be whatever. That stuff is just, all of it is what makes it so great to me. And so this year, at the time that we're recording this, we just said that we saw that Adley Rushman was added to the list. We already have Julio Rodriguez, which we expected after his performance last year, and then obviously bringing it home to Seattle. Um, we have Vlad Jr., Mookie Betts, 
Randy Arosarena, Pete Alonso, who's done it before, and then, like we said, Adley Rutschman. So uh, what was your reaction when you saw that Randy Arosarena was going to be part of it? Oh, my gosh. So I put together a couple weeks ago, I was chatting on Slack with uh, Doug Gospel of MLB Social, and I was progressing. And I was like, here's my ideal derby field. And Randy was on the list, so I was very excited to see him do it when he announced that he and Homer the day before in Seattle because the Rays are playing, uh, were playing the Mariners over the weekend. And we saw in the WBC and in the postseason a couple of years ago, he's a guy who really rises to the occasion and who loves the moment. I mean... <laughs> Will he do it with his cowboy boots on? Will he wear them maybe up until he's batting? He is just such a showman, one of the greatest showmen in baseball right now, and that's what we want in the Derby. And I will say to Orioles fans, at the time of this recording, we're chatting around 1 o'clock Eastern on Monday, July 3rd, but I put this together last night, so... As of last night, we had five derby participants so far, and they had all home run either on the day they announced it or the day after. So Julio announced on June 23rd, home run on the 24th, Vlad announced on the 29th and home run that day, Mookie announced on the 30th and hit two homers that day. Randy announced on the first, and as I said, he homered the day before and the day after. And then Pete announced it on Sunday at baseball last night and then hit a home run later in the game. So, seems like an Adley home run over the next few days is pretty much a lock. And again, that tells you we have the right guys. I can't wait to see who the next two names are, I know. The Bracket Reveal show is on Wednesday. Not sure if the others will be public by then. I don't know who they are, but I know who I want, and it's Ellie Dela Cruz, so we'll see. Oh my gosh, could you imagine? That would be so much fun adding it all in. So, okay, fingers crossed there. But one thing that people always say with the Derby, and we'll talk about it every time we talk about the Derby, is that it screws up your swing. Is there ever a concern? Whatever. We've talked about how Juan Soto has done his best to prove that that's not the case. But I thought Tito really talked about it well. Um, it's not like the Guardians even have someone. Jose Ramirez said if he was asked, he would 100% do it again. Um, last year when he participated, he was hiding an injury from us all. We had no idea that his thumb was as screwed up as it was. We knew it would have been bothering him. We were not told that three weeks, two weeks before that, he was told that he should be getting surgery right now. And he said, ha ha, you've got to be kidding me. I'm doing this in the off season. Um, so a little bit harder for him to experiencing it, to experience it that way. Um, but we were talking with Tito about it saying, okay, well, if Jose was asked again, would you allow him? And you think of an older manager as someone who wouldn't get it. And Tito's just not that. And he just, he said it so eloquently, and don't tell him I said that because he'll, it'll go straight to his head <laughs> that he would be eloquent. Um, but it was more of just like, he says, it's, it's okay to say that you're worried because I think that's human and that's honest. But to say, if every manager said, no, our guy can't do this because we're worried about him, that's killing the game. And the big thing here is... This is great for baseball, and it's great for baseball to see the stars. It's great for baseball to see the personalities, and that's where this shines. Yes, teams can be concerned, but if you're going to say no to a guy who's healthy, if he's not healthy, then okay. But if a guy's healthy and you're going to say no to him wanting to do it because you're scared, you're the problem. And it was just so well said because... Everyone has their, their takes on all of this, but for an old school type of manager who will desperately try to balance old school, new school at all times, but for him to be rooted in that and to see the worth and to see the benefit of participating, it was cool how he said it. And uh, 
I think that's sort of how everyone just needs to buy in and eventually this conversation can just die and go away and just not worry about it anymore. And I think we're pretty close to that because if you look at the level of superstars who have done this and young superstars, we have managers who are saying, okay, Julio, I trust you. Go out and do this. As a rookie last year, we have Juan Soto doing this multiple times in 2021 and 2022 going out and doing that when he was off two starts that he wasn't even thrilled with. So, I mean, it's such an amazing event. And, you know, internally, these events are always called MLB Jewel events. That's just what they call them for how they do credentials whenever. But the Home Run Derby is the real jewel, if you ask me, of baseball and of everything. And I just can't wait to see what happens this year. You've already said like three lines that I thought, I wonder if she's going to send this to me as being the title of our episode. (laughs) So I'm curious what you're going to pick now. But that's all all (laughs) all-star things. I can't believe we're already at that point that next week at this time, Home Run Derby will be starting to get set up and, and you'll be getting in position to do all of your stat stuff for that. So I can't even believe that it's almost here. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to hear your stories from being out there in Seattle. And we'll be able to talk about that all here after you get back from that trip so that we can at least be in retrospect rather than predicting it anymore. So uh, we'll take a quick break right now and then we can get into all of our favorite moments from baseball over the past week. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mandy, that's Sarah, and as always for our favorite segment, we start with our favorite person, and that's Alana Schreiber, our wonderful producer. Alana, do you have your favorite moment from baseball over the past week? I do, and it's one I'm sure you guys have seen, but um, last week, Eduardo Escobar posted that he just officially became a U.S. citizen. Escobar is obviously... Not had the best last few weeks. He was traded from the Mets to the Angels. I was feeling really bad for the guy. Um, But then just to see this post about how excited he was to become a U.S. citizen, to see all the responses from teammates, from Steve Cohen, everyone just clearly loves him so much. I mean, every time he plays, you hear how he's just the nicest guy. And we got to see that when he was the one who caught the first pitch that Sarah's boyfriend threw out. And then he went over and put a hat on her head it was so sweet and I think you know we always forget sometimes at least I do that players have like a million other things happening in their lives outside of baseball and that was just a really nice moment to see that you know he got the U.S. citizenship he really clearly wanted and even though you know he's on the Angels now things are still going well for him so that was really sweet to see. And there was the great line that Buck Walter shared in the pregame availability that day the Mets beat asked him about Escobar becoming a citizen, even though he wasn't on the team anymore. And Buck said that as Escobar was studying while he was on the Mets, at one point someone asked him kind of jokingly, hey, who was the first U.S. president? And he jokingly said, Ron Washington. (laughs) So just, I mean, it's so Eduardo Escobar from everything we've heard. You realize your point. I mean, these guys in the clubhouse, sometimes it's not just even talking about families and dinner plans or the game or anything else. Sometimes it's, hey, here are my flashcards. Quiz me on U.S. history. So I love that uh, joke about Ron Washington, and I was so happy for him just said how proud and excited he seemed to be. 
All right, Slangs, go ahead. All right, I was worried that Alana might take mine because it is message-recent and we know she's a big fan, but it's about the Giants. It's about the Giants-Mets series. So in the first game of the series between the Giants and Mets on Friday, there was a play where a fan interfered with the ball in left field ended up leading to multiple runs being scored by the Mets, putting the Mets ahead. And the, the fan clearly visibly felt badly. He was being booed by Giants fans near him. And we see fan interference happen. And I know broadcasters often chastise like, hey, leave it alone. But he had so much remorse and it was so clear. So after the inning, Blake Sable, who was playing left field at the time for the Giants, went up to him and the cameras caught that they were chatting and they fist bumped. And after the game, Blake Sable was asked about it and he said, and of course it's helpful for the Giants since they won the game, but it's important to know that all of this happened when they were losing and losing because of that play. But he said after the game then, Humanity means so much more, and he felt so badly for this kid. Probably in the, I didn't see his age, but I would say 15 to 19-ish range in a giant jersey. And he just told him, hey, you know, I don't want this to take away from your love of the game, and it's okay, these things happen. And I also loved a quote from Alex Cobb, one of the giant starters who said Blake Stable is a puppy dog for going over and doing that. But it was just such a heartwarming moment from a player whose team was in a bad spot because of the play, but he had a sort of broader view of it, and it was just so, so sweet. I love that. And I guess I guess I sort of teased mine already um, that it's all star related, but it's not in the way that we had already talked about it. And I've already said something about Tito, so I guess I've already sort of touched on all of this. But the way that he handled telling his players, I thought, was very telling as to why he's been able to be such a good manager for such a long time. He has a feel like no one else. He's able to read people and. No offense against him or uh, any other old man, but old men don't seem to be able to have that feel all the time. And I feel like the older you get, you lose touch with younger generations, and it's hard to bridge that gap. And somehow, he's in his mid-60s, and he's able to connect with the 23-year-old in the room, and it's unbelievable how he's able to do that. And so you saw so many social media posts about how these guys found out, and... Uh, the Guardians weren't one of them because when Terry Francona got the list of players and saw that it was Jose Ramirez and Emmanuel Classe, he was beyond thrilled for the two of them. But he thought that Josh Naylor could have been on that list. And Josh Naylor, we talked about it a little bit before in the original round of voting, how he was leading all first AL first baseman in RBIs. He still is. Um, he's had a really great start to the year. His first month, he ran into more bad luck than he was actually struggling, it seemed like, from his peripheral numbers. So he had a great first half. If you ask him, he said, I wasn't good enough to make the all-star team. We asked him last night, which, oh, that always just drives a knife through your chest when you hear someone say that. Um, but it, to, th to think of how much this means to guys and how much managers know it can mean to guys... Tito saw the list and thought, it's probably not good to do a whole spectacle out of this, to not make this a huge meeting. Because, yes, we want to celebrate these two guys, and we still can. But the fact that we know that Naylor has really been like the MVP of this team this year, he's really helped this offense stay together whenever it struggled, and he's not part of it, Tito had a feel of just making sure that, okay, I'm going to talk to each person individually. So he told Classe, he told Jose, he told each of them individually in his office, and then he called Naylor in to, not, to just talk to him and say, this is how we feel about you. And 
it's got to feel just as good. And you have to appreciate the fact that you're getting singled out by your manager, the one who really matters in all of this and what he thinks of you. And Naylor will never... It's hard to believe because you see him have so many emotions on the field, but off the field, I promise you, when he talks to you, there's nothing. There's no emotion there. He's very down the middle, even keeled, and does not really let on to anything. And so he's like, no, no, it's all fine. Like, I didn't deserve to be there. I wasn't good enough. Like, I wasn't really planning on it anyway. So I told Tito that. It wasn't a big deal. But for Tito to have that understanding, I thought was really impressive. And it was just as cool to me as these big moments that got spread all over social media. People won't know this one because it's not out there. But the fact that he was able to have that understanding of what this meant and how it could be perceived by someone who came up just short, uh, I thought it was really impressive. And the way that Tito said it to the media, he was like, I understand how voting works and I don't think anyone was voted incorrectly. There's just not enough spots basically for everybody who could probably make it. And so uh, I just thought that was really well done and shows how well he's able to bridge the gap and understand people who are so much younger than he is. That's why you see, though, as you're saying, I mean, that's a really good point, you know. I think, I mean, we've all been there. We haven't been MLB ulcers, but we've all been there in the moment where you're in school and someone wins an award and you're waiting to hear who it is or there's some sort of work-related award, whatever it may be, and you kind of think you have a shot and someone else wins and you're so happy for them. But you do wonder how close you might have been. So I think that shows, as you said, an incredible feel and that's why, Tito, I love that. I know. It's a heartwarming thing in a different way about all of this. And it just shows that it does mean so much. And all these guys who get voted in truly want to be there. Even if it is like Jose Ramirez's fifth time. Like, he's proud to be there for five times. He's excited to be there for a fifth. So um, it's not something that's just written down on a piece of paper or a star beside their name on Baseball Reference. Like, this is actually something to most of these guys that they actually cherish. So it's cool. It's cool to be a part of that. And it's cool to see all of that. But now... When we come back for, I'm assuming, talking next time, when we're able to talk next time, we might be just talking in retrospect here and looking back at all of the excitement. I know we have to figure out our schedules and your schedule, especially with how you're going to be out there and when we can chat again. But we'll be able to hear all of the stories. I cannot wait to hear all of the stories of how this is going to go. I'm so excited to watch it from afar and to see how it's going to play out because this is really going to be a fun group of personalities and I think that this could be one of the best ones. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope you have a wonderful trip out there. You will kill it as always with all of your wonderful stats. Um, and I'm excited to hear how it all goes. But that'll do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or you have any suggestions for us, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week.